Well, obviously, Pastor Matt's not here. <laughs> he, uh, we had a conversation a few weeks ago, and then we hung up, and he texted, Hey, by the way, I'm going to be out of town, and so is Pastor Wayne. Can you preach? So you got me. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, to piggyback on what Micah's exhortation, John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 of John, first chapter says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Matthew 4, 4, Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, said to the devil, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Psalms 119, 105, your word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Psalms 138, 2, you have magnified your word above all your name. Amen. Psalms 119, 89, your word is forever settled in heaven. And of course, Hebrews 4, 12, the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Amen. I read something just, uh, just yesterday, and this uh, <clears throat> brother said, if the word of God doesn't disturb you, then I don't know if you're reading the word of God. And he quoted, I, supposedly Mark Twain said, it's not the things I don't understand in the Bible that concerns me. It's the things I do understand that concern me. <laughs> Amen. So today, um, really, I count it a great privilege to be able to minister God's word, but it's really with fear and trembling. You know, and the, the, I guess the older you get, the, the more you recognize the brevity of life. And the thought came to me, what if this was my last day on earth? We don't, I mean, young people don't think that because we're going to live forever. <laughs> but uh, the reality is that <clears throat> we all have a time frame, a, a season in which we choose or choose not to serve God. So um, today I, I recognize that. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to speak on his behalf. So it doesn't really matter, you know, my opinions, my thoughts. What does the word of God say? It always gets back to the word of God, and I so appreciate, again, Micah's exhortation because it's so true. It covers everything, everything. Amen. Uh, that was all free. That's introductory. Amen. But when Pastor Matt called me, um, or when he texted me, I was just, there was an excitement because there's been a, a couple of things that have been stirring in my heart, and, and I've shared them with numbers of different people. Um, but again, thankful for this opportunity to minister God's word, Amen. knowing that it's eternal, infallible, forever settled in heaven, knowing that there are those that have gone before us that have literally given their lives for the word of God. There are those that sacrifice enormously for the freedoms that we enjoy because of the scriptures. Amen. So today, 
I want to talk about uh, covenant. Covenant. Again, this was, this was confirmed in a, in a number of different ways, and I'm just thankful for, for God's faithfulness to confirm uh, the word that he, that he wants me to speak. And uh, I want to talk about covenant as it relates to us personally, covenant as it relates to marriage and family, and covenant as it relates to our nation. So I've got three areas that I want to hit. And so I want to give you a, a, a scriptural foundation, hopefully a picture um, that will help us to see more clearly where we've gone, where we've gone astray, and, and just how important covenant is. So I guess the first thing would be to define covenant. It's a formal and serious agreement or promise. A formal written agreement between two or more people, businesses, or countries. A written agreement or promise, usually under seal between two or more parties, especially for the performance of some action. So what we can see about covenant is it's, there's, there's two parties. I mean, God's making covenant with us, his people, but there's a part that we've got to play. Amen? And so it's just like even if you would put it on a contractual level, um, when you agree to do something or to agree to do work or you agree to lease a property, there's conditions in that covenant. And, of course, if you violate the covenant, there's listed what the penalties are. There's things that are going to happen. They're going to be set in motion because you have violated the covenant. So we want to look at some things here. Uh, we're going to start the very first place that covenant is mentioned, and that is in, um, get my glasses. <laughs> Amen. I mean, it's printed out in large print, but this is very helpful. Amen. So the verse, first place we read about covenant is uh, with Noah. And so the Lord says in Genesis 9, verse 8, Now I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature, a covenant for all generations to come, I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth, that never again would he destroy the earth or every living creature through the flood. So um, something uh, came to my attention here a week or two ago, and I just want to kind of insert this because this is really a current event, and I'm had somebody, somebody help me fact check this just to make sure we weren't uh, reading something because I guess, they t as you say, everything you read on the internet is not always true. So we kind of, we fact checked this or somebody did for me. Uh, amen. Um, this has to do with the, the Nashville, uh, what happened in Nashville and the shooting at this Christian school. Um, most of you, I'm sure, are aware of that that happened about a month ago where three adults and three children were murdered. Um, well, 
come to find out, there was three to four weeks before they gathered again for chapel to pray. And on the very day, the very time that they gathered, a huge rainbow appeared. And, um, I mean, I saw the picture. It was like, wow, it was just amazing. And so, um, and the other part of the detail is that this school was called Covenant Presbyterian Christian School, the word covenant. And the other thing, uh, the one article that I read, um, the murder was committed by a transgender person. And in that whole movement, they've stolen the rainbow or the many colors. And in this article, God says, I'm taking back my rainbow. It's mine. It's a testimony, amen, of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. The second time we read about uh, covenant is in the 17th chapter of Genesis. And God is speaking to Abraham. And he said, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you and I will be their God. So to put it in modern, the little sliver of land where Israel is a nation, that's God's promise. God gave that. Now, only he can do that because he owns the whole earth. And so this is why there's been such a struggle and a conflict and trying to push Israel out of its covenant land. God made the covenant. Whether you like it or disagree, it doesn't matter. God said it. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Yes, I'll bless Ishmael. I'm going to bless him. Get him their land. You know, it's, it's not that God's racist. He's, I'm going to bless. But this I've given to Abraham and his descendants. So check this out. So he said, um, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So, circumcision is more than just something we do to, to the male child just so that for health and safety reasons. It's a sign. God said this is a sign of the covenant. So, it's, it's interesting. Um, I'm sure you're all familiar with the story of David and Goliath. And uh, so, you know, they're, get, they're, they're squaring up to fight. And it wasn't like, you know, David said, well, your mama's ugly. Well, you're this and that. It's interesting. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? David was referring to the covenant. He was warring through the covenant. I mean, the odds. I mean, Goliath was ginormous, as they say. And David was a shepherd boy. 
But he understood who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of the living God. So circumcision is very important. In fact, um, uh, when Abraham forgot, quote, forgot to circumcise his sons, the Lord sought to kill Abraham. It's heavy. So again, sometimes the word of God is like somebody throwing a bucket of cold water in your face. We can't, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. But my thing is, why don't we just let the word of God be the word of God? And to me, it underscores the importance of following the Lord's instruction. This is the sign of the covenant. If you're going to walk with me, if you want to have and enjoy the benefits of the covenant, because those were laid out. I mean, it's tremendous. But he said, you, you need to follow, quote, the contract, the covenant. So Abraham, obviously, his wife confronted him, and he went, did the right thing, had his son circumcised. So you might ask, well, what does that have to do with us today? We're saved. We're saved by grace, the blood of Jesus. Well, pa- I think two weeks ago, Pastor Matt preached on water baptism, and he spent some time. I mean, he's, he hammered this thing home, the importance. It's not one of those like, well, if you feel it like it or it's a good idea, this is the word of God. You, you need to repent, be baptized for the remission of sins, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So let me give you a scripture. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision not made without hands, but in a spiritual circumcision performed by Christ, by stripping off the body of the flesh, the whole corrupt carnal nature with its passions and lusts. Thus were you circumcised when you were buried with him in your baptism, in which you were raised, also raised with him to new life, through your faith in the working of God as displayed when he raised him from the dead. That's Colossians uh, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. So, again, as New Covenant believers, um, it's not enough to say, well, I believe in Jesus. There's terms and conditions in this covenant. And if we're going to follow God, if we want to enjoy the blessings of God and the blessings of the covenant. We need to follow his instructions. So um, I think the apostle Peter said, or he commanded, you need to get baptized. So, but we had, we had a pretty good response. We had some young people stepping up and some, and so we so appreciate that. Amen. Uh, so God remembers covenant. In uh, Exodus, we read this in chapter 6, um, Uh, The Lord was speaking to Moses. um, Now you'll see what I will do to Pharaoh because of my mighty hand. He will let them go. Now, remember the covenant that was made with Abraham uh, was 400 years prior to that. And as you read this entire passage of Scripture, Exodus uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, the Lord heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians were enslaving. And I have remembered my covenant. God remembers covenant. He does. He does. Hallelujah. Amen. 
so let's take a, just a, couple, a quick look at um, what happens when people don't keep covenant. Um, <clears throat> we read this in Deuteronomy chapter 30. When all these blessings and cursings I have set before you come on you and you take them to heart, wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations, and when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. Uh, in uh, Isaiah, we read this, Isaiah 24. The earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The heavens languish with the earth. Wow. Kind of sounds like what's happening today, doesn't it? The economy gone south, you know, with what's happening in our banking system and just different things that are happening uh, economically. Um, so when these things happen, uh, he says, the earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. It's an everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Therefore, the earth is the earth's inhabitants are burned up and very few left. Again, the antidote is always repentance and turning to God. If you read the Old Testament, time and time again, God would bless his people, a time of peace and prosperity, uh, you know, in their, their, their economy thri thriving, uh, their protection from their enemies. And when they their hearts turn from God, to serve other gods and to take on the gods of the nations around them. Uh, the level of depravity that Israel sunk to is staggering, staggering. Um, but the answer is always repentance and coming back to God. His mercies are new every morning. Amen. We can come to him. We can repent. We can restore our part of the covenant with him. Amen. So again, uh, just a, a scripture out of the New Testament. Um, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. And the King James says, truce breakers. That really means covenant. So what is a truce breaker? Those who cannot be persuaded... To enter into covenant. It's a covenant that keeps us. That protects us. We, uh, we do our part. God does his part. The blessing. The peace. The prosperity that he so desires to bring to his people. But it's, it's, it's the covenant that makes the difference. <clears throat> Another scripture in Ephesians. Uh, Therefore remember that formerly you were called Gentiles by, by birth. And called uncircumcision. Or uncircumcised. By those who call themselves the circumcision. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, but now, 
in Christ Jesus. You who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen. Um, the scripture, um, if I was to ask you, what's, 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 what's the first of the Ten Commandments? Hearing a couple of different things. <laughs> Amen. You shall have no other gods before me. And why is that? Why is that? The Lord knows that when we turn from him and embrace other gods, which are basically demonic princes, we began to take on their likeness, their characteristics, their attitudes, and they, be they begin to control and dominate our life, lives, our decisions, our choices, how we relate to other people. Um, so it's interesting that that is the very first commandment. No other gods before me. This is why the, the Lord dealt so severely as you read, again, as you read through the Old Testament, you think, man, this is really severe because there's a reason. Because when we give, when we turn from God and our hearts are drawn aside to serve other gods, these other things crowd in our lives and push aside God and our part of the covenant, then all bets are off. I mean, you've seen people, I'm sure you, you will all have seen people, you read about people who maybe were a youth pastor or this or ministry in a church, and when they've gone off the rails, I mean, they have gone off the rails. I mean, every imaginable sexual perversion, whatever they're endorsing, and there's a reason. Because once you depart from the living God, amen, you take on the characteristics of the gods. And this is, this is what we're seeing playing out in our culture. So don't be dismayed. God's on the throne. He's moving in a powerful way in our nation. Amen. Right now we're seeing just a lot of shaking going on. But I'm convinced that he is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The revival is coming, and revival is coming through a revived church. So we all have a part to play. Uh, we're we're in, this, in this point, in this timeline in history. We have the privilege and the opportunity to be involved in the greatest move in history, being a part of God's kingdom. So uh, as crazy and as unbelievable things happening out there, we believe that God is shaking and awakening the church. I mean, why else? Why else? He's, he's stirring the church, the remnant. He said, I sought for a man to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge for the land. Sought for an intercessor. So this is what we do, church. We're, we're here. Uh, we're here to be salt and light. We're here to be his representative on earth. Uh, we're not backing down. We're not going to be silent we're going to speak forth God's eternal word because it's, it's the pathway to freedom and liberty. I was thinking of that scripture. Jesus said, um, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So it's not just simply knowing. It's continuing in the word. It's acts of faith and obedience. Obedience when it doesn't make any sense. 
This is where we get tripped up, isn't it? We want everything to make sense. Why don't we just obey God, right. obey his word, and everything's going to work out. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> just a couple more scriptures, and I'm going, I'm going to move on from uh, what happens when we, when we turn away from the Lord. Um, <clears throat> In Ephesians, the second chapter, it says, And you he made alive when you were dead uh, by your trespasses and sins, in which at, at, which at one time you walked habitually. Now, it's important to make a distinction. I mean, listen, we're all growing. We're all learning. We're changing. And so if you've slipped, you've fallen, get back up. I mean, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So you were following the course and fashion of this world. We're under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air. You are obedient to and under control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. And amen. Real quick, in, 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 uh, in Luke uh, 11, it talks about when, and when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept and clean and put in order. Now our thing is if we're, our lives aren't filled with God, with passionately pursuing, following him, then we leave a door open, if you will, to those spirits to come back. And sometimes it is just, it's, it's so slow and it's so subtle. Amen. <clears throat> so, how does covenant apply on a personal level? Each of us has and must establish covenant with Jesus. Each of us has to make a decision if whether or not Jesus Christ is going to be Lord in your life and what is that going to look like. It's not simply enough to give mental assent. Yes, I believe he died for my sins. Are you going to commit to making him the Lord and master of your life? And so, um, obviously, there's, there's things that right up front that we're, we're required to do. And you may not totally understand this, but he says, repent and be baptized, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, yeah, let's, let's do it. Amen. This is, this is the word of the Lord. So, but more than that, how many, how many realize that Jesus loved the church and gave himself for the church? So, 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 so often the emphasis is on me, 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 I, 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 and we lose sight of the fact that you're just a part of the body of Christ. And he's determined he will, have a, he will have a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. So obviously, on a personal level, we need to be committed to the local church. There's other things that are demanding your time and your attention. Look, I get it. I see a lot of young families. There's this and that. Um, there's sports. I, I, I get all that. But at some, at some level, um, we commit to the local church. 
We commit to the body of Christ, not just showing up to meetings, but committing in prayer, amen, giving our life to, to prayer and really uh, caring for one another. And this is part of why we have the, the life groups and that's all essential part of uh, being part of the local church. And, and also, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I say, <laughs> I don't know how I can stress this, you need to pay your tithes. You want me to give you a scripture? Malachi chapter 3. So the Lord is saying to his people, well, you've robbed me. He says, well, what are you talking about, Lord? How have we robbed you? He said, you've, re- you've robbed me in your tithes and offerings. This is extremely important. This is not a side issue. I mean, he said, return to me and I'll return to you. We need to honor God with our substance, with the first fruits, and trust him to provide. I can only say in my almost 70 years here on this earth, as I've been serving the Lord probably for 50 years, he is faithful. This is one place where God said, prove me in this. If I'll not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. Now, I recognize that it's more than finances. I I get it. But that's a part of it. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about money here, resources. We want to honor God with our substance. So first, we say yes to Jesus. We follow him in in obedience to baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, Be committed to the local church and pay our tithes. I mean, man, it doesn't get any easier than that. <laughs> God's grace. When we respond to God's word, there's grace that's made available to us. Right. But I can only say, I've proven the Lord, and he is so faithful. Right. Faithful, faithful, faithful. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> I, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, I was cleaning up. We have a, a, a a storage, a metal building, and we had some files that we kept, which we didn't really need to keep, but I had to kind of process those or uh, throw some away and burn some or whatever we do with them. And just looking back from some of our records, I think, oh, my word, we lived on that? It's incredible. I mean, I'm talking 20 years. So I just look at some of the things that we did over those years and how God was faithful, came through when... It looked like this thing could really blow up. They've been so faithful, so very faithful. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, the second, um, and we're coming to a close here, nearly so, is marriage. <clears throat> um, and this is something, there's been things on my heart that I, and I've been praying this through in an area that I wanted to touch on, uh, how important marriage and family is. Do you realize that before there was ever a church or there was ever, quote, a government, there was a family? That's the foundation stone of society. And so you can also see and recognize how the enemy and the powers of darkness have so put the family under assault. And so I want to state very clearly I believe in marriage as defined by the scriptures between one man and one woman. Amen. Amen. God's word. 
We, uh, I'll, I'll just make a comment. This past uh, Monday, we, uh, a number of us from our prayer group had gone to Harrisburg. There was a prayer and policy meeting, and, and Cheryl, Judge Cheryl Allen was one of the speakers, and she said, you know, truth will stand. They beat truth, they whip truth, they bury truth, but truth raised, rose from the dead. So of all the insanity and unbelievable things that happen, you will not silence truth. That's what we're talking about here. And amen. So one of the things, um, and of course, uh, the scripture reference uh, is in Malachi 2, where the Lord's again talking with his people. And he said, you've, you've violated my covenant of marriage. God designed marriage. Man didn't design it. God did. And um, I heard something. Um, this was, and this wasn't from somebody in the church, but I thought, man, I can preach on this if I get a chance. So here's my chance. And this, uh, this individual, is, he's really one of those voices that's on campuses. And, and he said, marriage is not for your personal fulfillment. It's to establish a stable home that you can raise children in. I thought, man. That's the Bible. That's the scriptures. Now, listen. <laughs> Let's be honest. God doesn't want you to be with somebody that you don't want to be around. <laughs> so just don't, don't get nervous. But I think our, our, my advice, my counsel to those who are considering or who are not considering marriage, um, you, you need to really pray about it. This is, this is God's design. It has nothing to do with your, your personal fulfillment. It has everything to do with what God's design is for your life. And marriage is honorable, the scripture says. It's honorable, amen? It is good. It's very good. And children are good. And grandchildren are even better. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, you know, um, it's interesting because I'm talking about marriage. Um, Sandy and I will be celebrating 50 years this summer. So, I know, I know that God still works miracles. It was a miracle that she even said yes to me. And I'm not going to get into all the details, <laughs> how, that all, how all that came down. But thankfully, she did. And, and, and believe me, it wasn't all easy. There was times when uh, either one of us felt like, well, you could go visit your folks, like, permanently. <laughs> you know? Um, but the Lord, in his grace and mercy, uh, got us through. And marriage really has a lot to do with the gospel, doesn't it? Dying to self. Because if it's all about you and your likes and your desires, you're really going to be frustrated and disappointed. But if it's all about God and God's call and what he wants to do, it's exciting. Yes, it is. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. So um, as just a couple of scriptures as it, re as it relates to uh, marriage um, uh, 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Um, It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. This is how important marriage is. He, the scriptures, God relates it to Christ and his church. So it's not, it's not a sideline issue. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of putting out a general thing to all of our young adults and children. You need to pray about it. I mean seriously pray about it. Lord, what do you want? Who do you want me to be married to? Because he'll tell you. He'll speak to you. I know my wife, God spoke to my wife because there was other options. So I'm just saying, you, you, I'm just encouraging, really pray about it. Honor God with this decision in your life. Amen. I, 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 I read this yesterday in this quote. I just want to quote it. Uh, the love of God is not mushy, sentimental, or purely emotional. It carries deep emotions with it, but it is rooted in the will and not the emotions. If there's anything that trips people up, it's the emotions. Amen? But I believe the will of God should be paramount, that our will should bend the emotions, not the emotions bending the will. Amen. Marriage was established in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 2. It was confirmed in John 2 when Jesus turned the water into wine, putting his... That was the beginning of his miracles, by the way, in, in, that, uh, in, that, uh, in that wedding ceremony. So, again, there's personal, there's marriage. And I want to talk just briefly about our nation because this is something that's certainly been a burden. Uh, I, sh- I should say a burden for all of us. Scriptures, the scriptures instruct us that, first of all, pray for those in authority pray for our leaders so it goes without saying that uh, we should have a heart we should love our nation we should love our state and we should love our city we're here we should pray for the peace of Williamsport the peace and prosperity in Pennsylvania the peace and prosperity in our nation Uh, so let me just read some things as relates to our nation From the days of the pilgrims, godly men and women have believed Almighty God was involved in the birth of our nation. They also felt that if a nation chose to partner with him and honor God, it would experience his favor and blessing in extraordinary ways. And we have. And America is exceptional for that one reason alone, because we've chosen to honor God. And put him first. Now, obviously, we've we've slipped a little bit, haven't we? <laughs> we we the church perhaps have been cowed into silence, and well, we can't speak about that because it's too political or it's too whatever. It doesn't fit the the on, the ongoing narrative in our nation. But the church is here, the people of God, to be salt and light. We have a God-given responsibility. To not only pray, to speak, but to act. Amen. 
So, which means we, we should be involved in government at some level. And I trust you're all registered to vote. Um, and this, again, this is not a, I'm not going to get off on a sidetrack here, but just we're talking about our nation and our, and our nation's covenant. In uh, 1630, John Winthrop uh, gave a speech on board the ship Arabella, and he quoted um, Matthew 5.14, You are a light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. This scripture, by the way, was quoted by a number of different presidents, even in, in modern times, hearkening back to when that scripture was first quoted concerning America. Um, Reverend Robert Hunt, in 1607, Peyton, would you bring my, my backpack up here or somebody? I must have. Thank you, buddy. There's something that I'm missing here I wanted to read. Hmm. Yeah, speaking of our, um, our trip to um, um, Harrisburg, I went, uh, Scott Fisher uh, rode with me and we, parked our car in the parking deck right across from the Capitol. And we said, okay, we're on deck three. As we went down the elevator, we came back. We could not find our car. <laughs> and I don't know how we did it, but we walked by it how many times, Scott? Four times? Five times? I'm serious. So maybe what I want to read is here somewhere, and I'm just not seeing it. I know I, I, know I picked it up. Um, but anyhow, um, uh, I'll just try to uh, paraphrase as best I can. But uh, a group of 35 men uh, on, uh, on the Cape, uh, I think they called it Cape Henry, uh, which was now modern-day Virginia Beach, planted a cross. And he said, we dedicate this land to the, to the propagating of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the generations that shall come after. So this is really the first covenant that was made, was made by those men that, and again, it was a four or five month trip across the Atlantic. I, I just can't imagine that. I mean, the pilgrims were what, three months or so, I think, three months in the belly of the ship. They couldn't come out, it was winter. Uh, the hardship, the harshness is just hard to get your mind around. I mean, and it was because of the word of God. They could have stayed in Holland. They could have stayed in England. I mean, of course, there was, there was huge persecution and pressure that was put on them. But it was the word of God. And how do we know that? Um, in 1620, um, as they were sitting in the harbor there, before they made land, they sat down and wrote what we now know as the Mayflower Compact. This voyage made for the glory of God 
and for and the advancement of the Christian faith. This is part of our heritage. Fully 50% of those people did not survive the first year. The conditions were so harsh. Um, just last year, I read through Plymouth Plantation. It's like, wow, this is amazing. These people were amazing. But it was a love for God, for his word, and really had it in their heart. We want to see the kingdom of God established here and go to all the earth. That was the, the roots of, 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 of our nation. So again, um, I, I said that we spent Monday at, in Harrisburg. And of course, you can't go there without talking about William Penn. If you've never read anything about his life, it's extraordinary, just extraordinary. Um, so it's so extraordinary, it, it really parallels um, Moses' life. And they're both lawgivers. In fact, our founders uh, quoted and relied a lot upon William Penn, his writings, what was set in law here in Pennsylvania prior to the revolution. And so William Penn, I I think I just read yesterday, as a 12-year-old boy, and again, he was from a family of enormous privilege. His dad was a vice admiral, very close to the king. I think he was an only child. He had access to the finest England or Europe could offer. And God appeared to him as he's studying. And he's, he calls it his divine seal that was placed upon him. And it happened again when he was 17 years of age. And then he got involved with the Quakers, who were like, you know, the fanatics of their day. But people who really loved God, who, 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 who believed that you could hear God yourself. You could hear the Lord speak through his word. And so there was a lot of persecution, a lot of ridicule, um, and Penn's father was kind of frustrated. Well, I got to send this boy to Paris or somehow try to get some worldliness in, going in his life, and, and that failed. Um, long story short, as William Penn's father lay on his deathbed, he called his son, and he said, you know what? Uh, there, there was a reconciliation. He says, don't. Don't violate your conscience. You do what God's put in your heart. And he had a, a couple of things be basically prophesying over his son. It was so powerful. And so, of course, um, he died. He inherited a vast estate, property in Ireland, property in, property in England. And then um, he applied for a charter. And the king said, wow, this is a great way to get rid of this troublemaker. <laughs> We're going to send him to the Americas. And so on March 4th, 1681, Penn was granted the charter, which gave him full governmental authority over 28 million acres. This is huge, which we now know as Pennsylvania. Um, And of course, William Penn said, this is a holy experiment and the seed of a nation. And if you go into our state capital, in the the rotunda, those words are written. I, I, looked, I looked up, and I think there's fully 50 scriptures that are scattered throughout our state capital. In the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, there's the scripture that I quoted earlier, um, Psalms, uh, I believe, 138.2, you have magnified your word above your name. In our Supreme Court. 
uh, in our state senate. There's, there's scriptures throughout. There's pictures depicting the various things that happen. So it was very encouraging, but also very much a confirmation of the roots that, that God, that we have here in Pennsylvania. So I'm saying all that to say that this is our covenant. We're going to take back. Amen. We're going to do our part. Uh, amen. To restore the covenant on a personal level, of course, in our marriages um, and in our, in our nation. We have a part to play. We're called to be salt and light, to be the influencers, not the ones that are influenced by our culture and by the sin and decadence that's all around us. We're going to speak up. We're going to love people because at the end of the day, that's how we're going to win hearts, by loving people. Uh, We want to get to the point where we want to win people more than win an argument. And I think that's probably good advice uh, that we could apply in our marriages. Amen? (laughs) And we just want to be right. (laughs) Amen. So we we want to have a heart that really, really wants to win people, to see people lives that are set free from, the, from sin and, and from the darkness that's around us. So, you know, I just want to put out a, a call, uh, first of all, to those that might be in this room that you've never, you've never entered in a covenant with the Lord. You might be coming. You might say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But have you repented? Have you been baptized in water, received the Holy Ghost? And be committed to the local church. This is very important. It's very important. Um, so putting out that call because the Lord is seeking and saving the lost. Amen. I also put out a call to those that maybe you've grown lukewarm. You've been coming. Yeah, you're, you're paying your tithes. But your heart is someplace else. Your life is filled with other things, other pursuits, many of which are not sinful, but they're taking the place of God in your life and what he wants to do in your life. And so I'm just going to throw this out there, um, that you'll, you'll begin to seek the Lord personally. Um, corporately, we're, we're still meeting two times a week at the Outreach Center for prayer any whosoever will may come. Um, God's been good, really knitting our hearts together, just believing God for what he wants to do, uh, not only in River Valley Church, but in our entire nation. Um, so there's any number of ways um, that we can get the fires going, but it starts with you seeking God, praying, spending time in his word. It's the, it's the spirit and the word very first couple of scriptures in Genesis, the spirit of the Lord hovered over the earth and the Lord said, there's the spirit and there's the word. And so I'm just encouraging you all. It's not simply just church attendance. Well, that's important, but daily seeking God, daily setting aside time. You make time, pushing things aside that crowd in to encroach upon your time with God. Let me ask you something. Is there anything more important in your life than hearing from God? Think about it. One word from him can so change the course and the trajectory of our lives. One word. So 
if you'll just take the time, and I'm speaking to adults, I'm speaking to children. Wayne Penn was 12 years old when God spoke to him, and the call of God was placed on his life. So I'm speaking to young people, I'm speaking to children. Set aside time to pray and to read God's word. It's life-changing, life-changing. Also, we want to obviously, we want to pray for those that are sick. Uh, We believe that Jesus is the healer. He hasn't changed. The same yesterday, today, and forever. We believe that the word of the Lord won't return void, that God will confirm his word with signs following. Amen. Sick bodies being healed, deliverance in people's lives. Amen. So the altar is open. If We have prayer workers that are going to come. Uh, Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much today for the word of the Lord. We thank you, Father, that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. We thank you for the privilege, Lord, of serving you, of being a part of the kingdom of God. We thank you, Lord God, for the moving of the power of God in our nation. We thank you, Lord. There's an awakening that's happening. It's underway. We're hearing about here and there, pockets here and there. But, Lord, we we know that even when we don't see it, God is moving. And so, Lord, that's our confession of faith, Lord, that you are indeed moving. So, Lord, our prayer is, Lord, how do you want to use us? How can we be involved? How can I be involved? How can I fully surrender my life to Jesus and listen for his voice and follow his instructions? Lord, help us all, amen, to have a heart that so desires to hear from God that, Lord, we'll do whatever it takes. We'll clear our schedules. We'll push aside things that we thought perhaps were important. But, Lord, we're going to make you number one. We're not going to have any other gods before us. We must We must hear your voice. We must hear the word of God for our lives, your instructions, that which you're giving us to do. Lord, each of us has a sphere of influence. Each of us, Lord, has a call of God on our lives. Each of us, Lord, that are disciples of Jesus Christ are ministers of the gospel. Lord, may you move upon each of our hearts, Lord, in this congregation that we'll say, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm going to hear God, I'm going to press, I'm going to pursue, and I will not give up. And so, Lord, we thank you today for the grace of God. We thank you for all that you've done, but, Lord, for the glorious days that are ahead of us, Lord God, as you move, as you change, as, as the Lord Jesus Christ is exalted in the Lamb. So, Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Father.